Divine Shepherd Lutheran Church and School in Blackhawk, South Dakota, is happy to share God's Word preached for you by Pastor Randy Sturzenbecker. We pray that you will rejoice in Christ crucified and resurrected for you. The waters of baptism, the Lord's Supper, and the forgiveness of sins, all for you, from Jesus. Chapter 35. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water, and the haunt of jackals where they lie down. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. This is the word of the Lord. Please join me in reading the Catechetical Review, the Lord's Prayer, the Sixth Petition, and lead us not into temptation. What does this mean? God tempts no one. We pray in this petition that God would guard and keep us so that the devil, the world, and our sinful nature may not deceive us or mislead us into false belief, despair, and other great shame and vice. Although we are attacked by these things, we pray that we may finally overcome them and win the victory. The seventh petition, but deliver us from evil. What does this mean? We pray in this petition, in summary, that our Father in heaven would rescue us from every evil of body and soul, possessions and reputation and finally when our last hour comes give us a blessed end and graciously take us from this valley of sorrow to himself in heaven this morning's epistle lesson is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believers believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. 
Please, st please stand for a reading from Luke chapter 18, the, the Holy Gospel. <clears throat> Taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. O Lord, have mercy on us. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly set in the heavens. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you please pray with me? Lord, we give you thanks and praise this morning that because of you, your great love uh, that you have for your, for your people, that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die for our sins, rose again for us. And because of this now, oh Lord, we have been freed from our spiritual blindness and from sin, death, and the devil. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, there are really three types of blindness. There's complete there's a partial and there's a congenital. Of course, you know that congenital, whenever we hear that word, that means that we've been born, uh, that would be someone who's born blind. And, that, that can, and, and in that, that can either, either be a partial or a total blindness. A lot of times we, we talk about vision impairments. Uh, this can affect so many, some people so much so that uh, they, they have difficulties driving and that sort of a thing. I was also thinking about this uh, the other day that it's interesting when you look at someone like Helen Keller who was able to adapt as she was and had a very fulfilling life. And what's really interesting about her, is, as you all know, is that not only was she 
blind, but she was also deaf and she was mute. And uh, she was able to learn to communicate in some really uh, interesting ways. St. John bore witness to the one who was coming into our world of darkness, of blindness. Mankind had a vision problem, and he says this, St. John said, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world, and this light has overcome the darkness. John kind of echoing the words that we heard there in, from uh, Isaiah this morning that tells us that those who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and we were blind. We were in the dark. We're groping and feeling our way around and unable to help ourselves in any way. Well, in Luke's gospel today, my text for the sermon, uh, um, Jesus makes his third and final passion prediction here. He tells the disciples that he's going to Jerusalem and he's going to be, uh, he's going to suffer and die there. And they have no idea what he's saying. And when we see this, when we read this, it seems like they are having some kind of vision problem. That they cannot see him, even though they've been with him now for the last two years or so, year and a half of his ministry. And so it is that Luke shows us that the next thing that happens that we see here in the text is that they come into Jericho, and on their way into Jericho, here Jesus encounters this blind man. And when this man finds out what all the commotion is about, what's, what's going on, he simply cries out these words, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowds scold him. It's like they told him to shut up. But he cried out all the more again, and he said, son of David, have mercy on me. And we know what happened here because Jesus heard this man's cry. He healed him. In fact, he said this to him. He said, recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. Jesus told him here by with those words that he used that his faith had saved him. For sure, for certain, he had healed him of his physical blindness but Jesus gave him the greatest gift of all, healing him from his sins. And this man's faith, his recognizing and believing in Jesus as the son of David, had healed him. It's interesting in our world that it seems that we want to live in, in a world of absolutes all the time. And what I mean by this is if something is to believed, be believed, it must be seen. On the other hand, uh, if, we, if, if we haven't seen it, if we haven't been eyewitness accounts, then we rely on those that have, and we have proper evidence then that backs that up. In fact, as you all know, much of our history, this is the way our history is passed down, by eyewitness accounts, people that were there that actually saw it, and then it was recorded by others. And we find this also in the science community as well. But isn't it interesting to note that while sinful man believes the proof of this or that and what science says, many refuse to believe, even after all these eyewitnesses' accounts and proof, that the Holy Scriptures are true, that Jesus is the real Son of God come into the flesh to suffer and die for the sins of the world. 
And by refusing to believe, they still live in a state of blindness. You and I, dear saints, we were born blind. That is, born blind in our sin. Because of our fallen state, we cannot see the gravity of our sin and how this separates us from a righteous and almighty God, the creator of all things. You and I cannot see the depth of this within ourselves and how helpless we are. We can't free ourselves from this condition. But this righteous judge in God is gracious and merciful because this is who he is. That he sent his own son into our darkness to save us from this blindness. Isaiah says in chapter 35 that this God, this is the one who will come to save you. And then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. This loving, good and gracious God came down to us in our lowly, messed up, sinful state. He is the light that has shined on us so that we no longer grope around in our blindness and darkness bound to sin. And as God has now called us out of darkness and restored our sight, we have received the gift of faith. The faith that believes in the one who saves, who delivers us from our sinful state. The one that when you still cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He does mercy you. He hears your prayers. He forgives you. He hears your cries and your pleas for help. He heals you of your blindness. Dear Saint, this is how it is for us today. This gift of faith, you and I then are able to see the one who saved us and who redeemed you, who called you here by name in the waters of your baptism and who promises to be with you always. But the enemy, the devil, and our flesh continue to pull against us in our baptismal lives. Every day we have to keep putting to death the blind old Adam. Every day we continue to rise in newness in Christ in our baptism to see him. But the old Adam would rather keep you in the dark, groping helplessly. He'd like to make you think there is no hope for you and that you have to find your way out of your own mess. That he might even say things like, this life is all there is, so you need to make the most of it. Sometimes this is manifest in very, very subtle ways. Like when he convinces you, you can miss church, or you don't need to be here for this Bible study. It's okay, just miss it. It's, it's, it's not going to make much of a difference. And we can come up with a myriad of excuses for those sorts of things. One church or Bible study, one church service or Bible study is insignificant. It's not really that big of a deal. The enemy may say to you, you're saved, it's all good. You don't need to be there all the time. After all, you do have a life outside of this. And blind old Adam is really good at that. Keeping you away from his promises, from his promises and gifts for you doubts that as much of the world tries to push against the church and says this is all folly and it's not true and a bunch of nonsense but once we have been exposed to the light dear saints 
how could we possibly go back to living in darkness, in blindness? And the devil would like nothing to separate you and to separate me from God and all of his gifts, to continue to live in blind despair. The good news for you today, though, is this. Like the blind man, again, Jesus had mercy on you and continues to forgive you. He's given you this marvelous gift of faith. And he's opened your eyes to see the one who has saved and redeemed you. None of us in this room today here have seen Jesus with our own eyes. Yet we believe and we are able to see him because he has revealed himself to us in his holy word. And when you look around here this morning, look, he promises to forgive you your sins in words of absolution. We see him through the hearing and the preaching of his word. And he is present for us here this morning. We see him in his holy supper. Even though we haven't physically seen him, he is here with us. And Paul reminds us of, of this in our epistle reading this morning that now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Jesus also said this to doubting Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. And so it is with us, dear saints. We, like the blind man, we see because of faith the faith that has been gifted to us. We trust in the one that we see and we hear in his word. And someday, someday we will see him with our own eyes, the one who has redeemed us and saved us and healed us of our vision problem and all of our sins. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of Christ, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen.